0: Amen. Thank you for that song. That was great. We can't even walk without him holding our hand, right? That's true reality. Judges chapter number six. Straight to business. I'm just kidding. Uh, our missionary of the month is Kevin White. Uh, our church down at, in, in Fort Pierce Bible Baptist Church, our pastor actually spent time with Kevin White when he was younger, and actually uh, we, we got to know them pretty well. They hung out with us, and and so it was actually really cool to hear that one of the supporting missionaries we supported down in Florida, we support here. And uh, it's, it's great to be able to uh, see and hear and get to know who your missionaries are because um, they're real people. Yeah. Just like you and I, we live lives, but they have lives too. And they're, they're doing what uh, we're called to do right here. Uh, just God has sent them wherever they are, and that's their burden and and uh, and uh, we have the pretty much the same calling just a little bit different um, not as specific, but it's right in our own neighborhoods but it's it's good it's good to hear what our missionaries are going through and what they that their' t- their people that they they have needs and they uh, they they we need to hear from them and they need to hear from us. so keep them in your prayers. The whites are great people and uh, anyways, judges chapter six um, I want I want to read a verse here. Um, a Judge is a really interesting book. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting. There's a bunch of stories about a bunch of people and people messing up and God saving them because they messed up and they can't fix their problems because they weren't supposed to fix their problems in the first place, supposed to listen to God, just kind of simple stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, st- stories are an interesting thing. Um, now, my wife and I, we were in um, uh, Sam's Club the other day, and we were walking around, we always, we, we, all, we come in, and the first place we like to look is is the cafe. How many of y'all like to do that, the cafe? First place I look, so if, if the cafe is busy, I think I'll come back, I'll stop by the cafe on my way back, because you can't pass up a cafe at Sam's Club, <laughs> you know, you just can't do that. So uh, anyways, but we'll, we, we'll take, we'll have a couple things in our list, like, you know, you gotta get a rotisserie chicken when you go to Sam's Club, it's like, who doesn't have the best rotisserie chickens? Sand Club's got the best. And so we gotta go by them. So we know we know I have a couple things on our list, but but we have to make a couple stops. We have to make a couple stops. One of the stops is by the clothes area. Alright? You gotta you gotta stop by the clothes area because you never know what convenient piece of clothing you're gonna find while shopping for groceries. <laughs> so we gotta stop by there. And uh, so we'll 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 stop by, we'll start looking around and uh, Antonella usually loses me because uh, um, I go wandering off, and I find something, and I'm like, oh, look, another plaid shirt. Uh, that's cool. And, uh, and she's like, all right, he'll find me eventually. <laughs> um, so I'm over here walking, and then right next, to, right next to the men's section right there is, like, all the books, right, all the books. How many of you guys, like, start looking at clothes, and you see the books? You just kind of start looking at the books. Okay, thank you for being honest. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I know you guys go to the book section, all right? Because, I mean, you're not going to read the books, just to be honest. You're not going to read the books, right? No one's going to read the books. But you're going to read the titles of the books. Yeah, see? You might not be tracking with me, but I'm tracking with you. And I, uh, I, I got looking around, and I'm, I'm like looking at the books, and I saw this name that, um, you know, I'm dyslexic a little bit, um, I'm more of a numbers dyslexic than I am a normal letters dyslexic. And I looked at the book title, and, and it, it looked like a name that I had heard before, but I wasn't sure if that was my dyslexia kicking in. And it was it was Aesop's Fables, Complete Works of Aesop's Fables. And I thought I looked at it, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I, no, I heard that name before. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. I'm like, hey, Antonella, uh, <laughs> can you read this for me? <laughs> uh, and she's, uh, she's like, oh, that's Aesop. Yeah. I'm like, what? what's that? What? who is this guy again? What's he named for? like, Google, who is Aesop, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, how many of you guys know Aesop? As soon as you heard Aesop, you guys knew. Okay. One of the more famous Aesop fables is, somebody tell me. Tortoise and the Hare. That's right, okay. So it's kind of interesting. It's It's got all these stories, and um, they're, like, really old and stuff. And I remember, it's like, that's the only one I know, right? I think that's the only one, like, everyone actually knows. Uh, like, it gets... That you can tell that story. Um, I, does anybody know any other Aesop's Fables? No. Okay. See, I didn't know either. Um, <laughs> uh, so I was, I was like, oh, tur- Tortoise and the Hare, Aesop's Fables. But <clears throat> well, so th- they're they're kind of like like um, proverbs, right? Or proverbs are like uh, uh, little stories of like plants talking to each other and animals racing and stuff like that. And they got like a moral behind them and stuff. And they've lasted a long time, so they're like really old. Um, so it's kind of like a cat in a hat, right, but with a moral to the story, right? Okay, so kind of got the picture, Aesop's Fables. If you're not a teacher, just kind of puts it together. Um, I'm, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, it, I'm, I'm taking off the runway. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, take, take a little bit, but bear with me. Um, but uh, this, the, just the point is the stories have lasted a long time, like really old, right? There, I did some research on Aesop because I Googled them. I didn't remember who the guy was, Um, and and the collections of things kind of go back. He was he was like a slave and a storyteller during uh, ancient Greece. So like uh, Plato knew of him and Socrates knew of him and used some of their things, and 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 eventually he told like a couple things here and there. But uh, long story short, uh, most of his stories were by word of mouth, and um, not till the Middle Ages think those started. Being, those stories started being put together um, into a completion of verse And eventually, I mean, there were so many different types of stories that were very similar. They just kind of put them all together and brought, put them into works for poetry and things like that. But they've lasted a long time, those stories. And we listen to them, right? In fact, we <laughs> we're kind of talking about it comically here about, you know, animals chasing animals, and just all sorts of different stuff, right? We listen to those stories, but more than anything do we listen to people, right? People listen to people, am I right? The only way that that those stories could be communicated and be meaningful to you and I is if a person experienced something, a lesson, an injustice, some moral to help better their life, and told it through a way that they could understand that be easily palatable to those around them. But in order to hear that, you ha- it had to be told by a person. And this is where I'm going. People listen to people. And the book of Judges is that very thing. We've been studying, we studied the first five chapters of Judges, and we've learned a lot. I mean, we, we know the, the, the basic premise. Um, and, and just kind of bird's eye view, what we're going to notice in this book is that these judges go from, like, pretty good to, like, pretty terrible people. You, you're going you're gonna to find that out by the end. And, uh, but, but the point is this. <clears throat> point is this. This is a narrative of people doing stuff that we can learn from and we should learn from. Because if we don't at least acknowledge the fact that this is history, we are missing out on how people have interacted with God and how the gospel interacts with people. We need to understand that, number one, this book is people telling people, and God using a person to communicate these stories to us that way we can understand that God understands where we are, and we can relate to these people. So, and 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 I'll kind of continue with this. And this and this is and this is true. I I say this for this to give us an understanding. We oftentimes remove ourselves from the human interactions that are in this Bible. What do you mean? He's like, I don't do that. Yeah, this is what we say in our minds. Well, this was in a different time. Uh, it's a completely different culture. It's an ancient book. Um, it's only just a story I heard in Sunday school. Uh, 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 this this story or this book has really no bearing on my life experience that I have. Sometimes we do that. We say that in our minds. That's built into our framework. And so we step back from some of these things like, oh, it's cute, Gideon, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, oh, you know, these, these different stories. Oh, that was cool. You know, I probably wouldn't want to tell that story in, in Sunday school to the four-year-olds, you know, uh, as you read some of these. But the point is this. We need to understand that these are humans that have shared experiences, that God allows us to see and show us how he connects with us where we are. This is, this is, this is like, when we read the Bible, it's like God, can, is God is reaching down and connecting with us. So we can understand that he still loves us, and we're messed up. We really are messed up. Read the book of Judges. We're really messed up. Okay. And so this is where we come. Tonight, chapter six. I only have a few minutes. We begin the saga of Gideon. We begin the saga of Gideon. And and that's and that's and that's not gonna be the, you know, Matt, you got seven and eight right next next week. So you gotta you gotta wrap up chap you know, saga two and three, you know, episodes two and three next week. So in one. So anyways, Matt's got the rest of it uh, next week, not tomorrow. But we know the story, right? We know the story of Gideon. Let me just wrap it up so Matt doesn't have to preach next week. Uh, (laughs) We all know the story. It's, It's about a really scared guy, okay, that is trying not to be seen, but then God calls him to go save the Israelites. He gets a lot of people to fight against this massive army. Then God says, that's too many to fight the enemy with. So, God tells him to shrink his thousands of people down to 300, then tells Gideon to get clay pots, fire, and trumpets, and tell them to say a magical phrase, blow the horn, smash the pots, and drop the fire, and then the Midianites would get confused and kill each other. That's, there you go, Matt. You're all set. Um, <clears throat> that's the story. That's the story. If you want to break it down in Hayden's interpretation of the story, that's kind of what's happening here. Um, but, but there's more to that. And there's, there's a, a lot of detail in this. If, if we don't take it, just a couple minutes to look at this, um, th- there's, there's something, there's some really important things that we can miss from just, from, from just like, oh, I know the story from Sunday school. That's fantastic. But there's some really important things in here. And I want to start with this verse here. Look at verse 24 of chapter six. And the, the title of the message tonight is Where We Find Peace. Where we find peace. Look, look at verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Ophrah of the Abizirzites. Abizites. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Lord, we have a few minutes together. Lord, we believe this is your word. You speak to us when it's opened and when it's not. When we read it, it is in our minds. When we live our lives, we hear you speak to us through it. So God, I pray that you use your word tonight and your spirit to speak to us the only way that you can and you do. Help us to see that in this passage, in this Old Testament passage, that you you lay out for us how we find peace in you, and we thank you for it, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen, where we find peace. So let's let's just start at verse chapter one, uh, sorry, verse one in chapter six, and we're going to kind of give the basic. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. A repeated situation, a repeated situation. So this is people. This is people doing stuff. Now, if you're writing notes, you need to understand that in verse one to verse ten, the cycle continues. The cycle of judges continues. What is the cycle? The people sin. God oppresses the people because they disobeyed. The people are tired of being oppressed, so they re- they repent. They get delivered because God brings a judge. And then they have peace. Then they forget, and then they sin, and then they're oppressed, and they repent. They get delivered, and there's peace. That's the cycle. So the cycle begins again here in chapter uh, 6, verse 1. It says this, "And, And the children of Israel did, what's the word? Evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years verse 2 And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel and because of the Midianites the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds and so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou comes until thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. Verse 6, and Israel was greatly impoverished, impoverished, because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. All right, we're going to pause right here for a second because this is really interesting. Here's some interesting facts. Nowhere in Judges does God give a more detailed description of how the oppressors of Israel oppress Israel. This is really detailed. And, and, and there's not a whole lot of explanation for it other than, dude, they messed them up really bad. I mean, they messed them up. They, they, they oppressed them so much that they ran into the mountains. They went and made caves. They went and had strongholds. I mean, they were running for their lives because these people came in and just wiped out everything. They didn't just take their stuff. They destroyed everything after they couldn't take any more. They're like, oh, our bags are full of wheat. We don't have any more room to take oxen, so kill all the rest. Israel can't do anything about it. But there's some other interesting facts here about what's going on here in, in the passage. If you look at verse 31 of chapter 5, you see this. At the end of Deborah's song, it says, So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might, period. And the land had rest 40 years. 40 years. The land had rest. That's a little hyperlink to the Old Testament. When God gave a requirement in the book of Leviticus for the land that they would possess, that it needed to be a part of the year of Jubilee. This was a year that was dedicated to no work being done on the land. It should be 39 years, and in one year, no work. But in that 40th year, they were supposed to allow the land to breathe, allow the land to rest, And that word rest literally meant seven, which is interesting because that also ties into another command that God put deep in the dead center of the Ten Commandments, which was the heart of the covenant that God made with Israel. And it says this. It says, keep the Sabbath day holy. What was the Sabbath day for? It was for rest. The heart of, of this passage, the heart of what's going on here is the people, after God gave them rest, they continued to work, which, not, which did not, which it was, more of, it was more of an issue of they took their eyes off God, the one who delivered them from their labors and their travail and their problems. He gives them rest. They're like, oh, it's peaceful. Kind of forgot about the stuff. Forgot about the rest. Forgot about the peace who the the peace and the person who provided the peace. And they continue to work. They took their eyes off of God, and this is what happens when when this happens. They fall into idolatry. True idolatry is not worshiping other gods. It's worshiping ourselves. And that's what's happening here in the passage. True idolatry is not the fact that we bow down to idols or or that we spend too much time on our phone than in our Bibles. It's that I'm spending more time for me than more time for God. And so... Bringing this down, we see, we see this. The land had rest for 40 years, and then the children of Israel did evil, and then for another seven years, they are under oppression by Midian. And so what did Israel do after being, like, tired of being oppressed? What do they do? They called out. They cried out to the Lord. That's verse 6. Now watch this. Usually what happens in the book of Judges is God raises up a judge. That's not what he does here. He does something different. Verse seven or verse eight, excuse me, it says, That the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out, brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But you didn't listen. You didn't listen. So the pattern, the, the, the pattern, like, shifts a little bit. God shakes things up a little bit. It seems like for 40 years, they had not been paying attention to God at all. For 40 years, they had peace. For 40 years, they had crops. For 40 years, they had everything they ever needed. And so they just did what they wanted to do. And that was what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So what happens? I don't have to repeat it. I've said it 35 times already, and the Bible tells us. So instead of God immediately bringing up a judge, he sends a prophet, and he reminds them of what God did in the past, how strong and powerful he is, his grace and mercy over them to provide a place for them to be. And then, and, then, and then he says, I told you not to be afraid, but you didn't listen. And that's it. That was the end of it. That was the end of, that was the, end of the conversation. He just leaves, goes on to the next verse. So sometimes before we get to a place to where we 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 are in a place to be delivered we need to be reminded of what put us in the place of where we are. And that's what God was doing. God sent a prophet to remind the people, "Hey, remember remember what I told you? You didn't listen. You didn't obey my voice. And now you're in the mess that you're in. But I'm I'm merciful and I'm full of grace." then I'm going to deliver you anyways. And the narrative begins. Gideon, verse, verse, verse 11. We, we have a repeated situation. Now we have a holy conversation. And this is really interesting uh, uh, because we have a, an unusual circumstances here. Um, I'll just give you the narrative. Uh, and we have a little bit of time. I have, a little, I have enough. No, I have a little bit of time. We've got to get, we get to the rest of this. Here we find an interesting, another hyperlink, by the way, I like that word hyperlink because it really helps us understand, you know, where we're going and, and what what God's doing, moving pieces to help us understand what's going on. And so this is what's happening. Check this out. Okay, look, look look at verse eleven. Okay, and there came an angel of the Lord, and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained to Joash, the Abizarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat. By the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Okay, let me, let's just set the, I want you, I want you go with me to this place in Orphra, okay? I want you to imagine this. It just says, it says, and the angel of the Lord sat under an oak. Now that word oak usually refers to a, just a single tree that's just hanging out, okay? It's just a single tree, there's like kind of nothing else around. There's like a wine press over here okay, just kind of a plains, just a single oak, nice big oak tree, and uh, you're kind of looking over, and you see the oak tree over there, and you see this like figure of a human being kind of dressed like a traveler, pop a squat, sitting down, and there's this dude over here doing this, okay, you got the picture, okay, you're seeing this in your mind, all right, Trees in Scripture represent life, a form of life. Let me ask you, when was the first, let me ask you this, what's what's the first time we ever see a tree in Scripture? Garden of Eden, thank you. And what was the first tree called? Tree of life. And who was in the Garden of Eden? Before Adam and Eve. God, okay. Okay. There we go. So let me help you bring this hyperlink to life. There's an oak in the middle of nowhere, and the angel of the Lord shows up and sits down. This is a picture of Eden. This is a picture of peace. This is a picture of where there is terror, and there's fear, and there's, and there's frustration, and, dude, just imagine that you're a person of the Israelites, and some dude who you kind of know, it just says a prophet, shows up and says, hey, you, hey, you remember what, what you were told and you didn't listen? That's why you're in this mess? Just imagine all the questions going through your mind right now. And you're hiding because you know that harvest is coming around and you're threshing wheat, and you don't know when the Midianites are showing up. You don't have any food barely any food of what you can find. There's, there's no food for animals to eat. So whatever animal you can find, it has barely any meat on it. So just, just start processing this a little bit. Just, just feel what Gideon is feeling. Just, just interact with him as a human being on a human level. What happens when the workforce is gone and there's no jobs around? What are you looking for? You see what I'm saying? I just process this with me. I got all these questions. I got all these emotions. And I'm by a tree. Trying not to trying not to be seen. And someone shows up. <laughs> Do you want to be bothered? I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> Check it out. A holy conversation. And the angel of the Lord, verse number 12, angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. You're not paying attention to this, by the way. If you you were Gideon, you're not paying attention to this. This It's like, okay, whatever. Only thing you heard was the Lord is with you. You don't even care about the second part of this. Okay. Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord, Jehovah, be with us, why has all this befallen us? Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, the goofy prophet, But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Do you think Gideon is justified in saying what he's saying? I can feel that. We know the context of this. We know the context. But if you were in his position, 110%. I'd be sitting there saying, where's the miracles? Where is this Jehovah? Hmm? Where is he at? you know what, he left, he forsook us he don't know who he's talking to (laughs) this reminds me of somebody else who didn't know who they were talking to John chapter 4 woman at the well another picture of life (laughs) this gets good I might not even get to the end of this man I only got 7 minutes (laughs) Uh, we just might park here and I think we will Matt, you got the rest of chapter six. <laughs> I just sit there and, and think of it for a minute. This, this is what's going on. This is what's going on with, with, with Gideon. The woman at the well. The well is a picture of what? Life. He's the water of life. He says, Jesus comes to her. She doesn't know who she's talking to, and they have this conversation. Jesus, in this here, the angel of the Lord, comes to Gideon where he's at, the tree of life, a tree representing this. And he says, The Lord's with you. Like literally, right now, (laughs) He's, he's with you. Where is he at? I don't feel him. Look at verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go. In this, thy mighty, thy might, and thou shalt save Israel, and the hand of the Midianites. Uh, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And uh, and he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I? So, so there's a there's a shift here, real quick. So he he's like, okay, hold on. He, he's like, all right, go in your might and thou shalt save Israel of the hand of the midnight. He's like, I'm sending you now. Go do it. And I want you, I want you to understand the picture here that what, what Jesus is saying to him, he's like, hey, this same passion you have, you're gonna use this same passion. These, these same questions that you have, take it. This is your strength. Go and deliver Israel. I'm sending you. Check it out. <clears throat> and he said, Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Verse 16 And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with you, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If I now have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. We'll work through this passage really quick. Jesus looks at him after he questions him and says, take, take this, you'll go, go deliver Israel. Go, go do it. I've sent you. He's like, I'm poor, we have no resources, what can I do? He responds and says, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as one person. So Gideon's like, okay, what's going on here? I would be too. Imagine you're picturing this. You're seeing this happen. So he's like, you know what? Wait. Don't go anywhere. Let me go get you a present, and I'm going to come back. And then you prove to me. You you, you do, you show me a sign. Show me a sign. At this point, I'd probably be asking the same thing because I've had a really strange conversation with this guy who showed up and is talking to me about me having might, you know, I'm scared, you know, I'm, I'm hiding. So he goes away, and look at wh- and, and, and this is what he gets. He, he goes and gets a kid. He gets some meat, okay? He gets, a kid is an animal. It's a baby animal, just so you know. All right, we're not talking about children here. <clears throat> Sorry, just preface that really quick here, okay? <laughs> he goes and gets um, some meat. He makes some unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour, the flesh he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot so he's got pot, bread and, and, and some broth and he, and he brings it out to the oak and he presents it and the angel of God said unto him take the flesh and the unleavened cakes lay them on this rock pour the broth out and he does so something interesting here the land is so desolate the only thing that they have to make bread with is the only type of bread they can make is unleavened bread passover an offering meat broth he tells pour it out just just he, don't even don't, don't even keep it in the pot just pour it out pour this out and this is what the angel of the lord does put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. What's going on here? It disappears. That's the way I see it. I I don't know if he walked off. I don't know if he, you know. That's the way I see it. But all joking aside, all seriousness aside, when we see what's going on in this moment, Gideon had no idea that he was bringing an offering. He was bringing what he had. And Jesus made that into an offering. Off a rock. Water doesn't come out of rocks. Fire doesn't come out of rocks. Rocks. Those things can only happen if God is involved. Here's a real-life person in a real-life situation. To this day, this is happening somewhere. A people is being oppressed somewhere. And just as much as God meets you here with an open Bible, God meets them there. and he meets us with what we have. But sometimes it takes a person or takes an event to happen for him to show us that, that we need him again. It's not that we need him again, it's that we need him. What we don't realize, it's the very things that we possess that he desires for us to bring to him. And it's the very questions we may ask in those moments of passion and anger and fear that he says is strength for him to use to overcome the greatest problems in your life. That's what he's doing. And he shows up in a simple manner in your form. And he did that 2,000 years ago. But what he's doing here is giving us an example, giving us a picture of what he did. And notice what happens. Gideon, boom, has a revelation. He perceives that he was an angel of the Lord. Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord called it Jehovah Shalom unto this day it is yet called it is yet in Orpha now you can come there's a there's a there's a law of interpreting scripture called the law of first mention and we we today um have all the names of God. I mean, we can go look. We can, you know, Genesis, the Revelation, we have all the names of God, right? We can write them down. We can put them a song. You know, we can, we can hear them in a message. You know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Tenisku. We can go through. We can, we can, we can hear something and get fired up about it. But this was a name. This, this Jehovah Shalom was the first time God was called the God of Peace. <laughs> I'm just, oh man, I'm sorry, guys. If if we if we just take a minute and we sit and we just let our feet flat on the ground. Oh man, my rings are falling off. This and, and we 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 just sit and 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 we know that we just get reminded about that God delivered us from the land of bondage and he's done stuff for us before maybe we just didn't see it and I'm freaking out I'm scared I've never been here before I'm just like you know the tightness in your chest and you're young but you don't you might you might have a heart attack you know you don't ever felt this before And the first time, the self-existing one is peace. It's mentioned here. It's mentioned right here in the book of Judges. Gideon turns out to not to be like a fantastic dude because he's got, he's got a temper. I'm going to spoil it a little bit for you guys. He ends up killing a bunch of people because they didn't help him. Anyways. Dude, a major character flaw, which, <laughs> you know. Uh, but so do we. I, uh, you messed up? I am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But self-existing one is peace. I didn't think through that. I was sitting looking over it late last night. And so I was like, you going to bed? I'm like, well, eventually... <laughs> By the way, Andy, I'm, I'm listening to the class, by the way, marriage class. She asked me not to talk about football, so I haven't done it at all. So I, I said I wouldn't do it. So. There's peace now. There's peace. We're, we're good. We're good. Uh, Christian, you might be scared. You might have messed up. I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you at all. Right? But there's something deep. There's something real. There's something here in Gideon that we can all get. That God puts a tree in your life and he shows up and he says, go. You don't have to be scared anymore. I'm with you the Lord before us who can be against us and in fact in fact when we have when we have the things in our mind that tell us that we're worthless that we're empty that we have nothing going for us because we're losers because we are God says what? Mighty man of valor it, it, you know what he calls us? children sons daughters part of the family, that we're a part of this kingdom that has the tree of life and the flowing waters of life that, f- that flow through us. And, and, and here we are. Here we are in this room right here that we, uh, that we are able to share this beautiful thing with each other. And he meets with us. And you know what he says? You know what we can say? <laughs> Jehovah Shalom. Here's the altar. Je- Jehovah Shalom. Here's what I have. I'm gonna follow you I want you to get this I want you you to get something here Jesus showed up and he had a conversation and he said take your questions bring them, ask them you didn't hear one accusation to Gideon at all he didn't say get your questions out of here you doubt me. He never said that at all. He he didn't even, he didn't even, he just allowed him to have him. Right? Hey, skeptic, might be questioning, where's God? Where's God? Where is God right now? And you know what, I'm actually probably asking myself this, so um, I'm sorry for any of you guys here, it might seem like I'm going a little long, but Hey, I needed this. Where where is where is God? You're so powerful. Why am I in this mess? He's with you. He's with me. And I just need to I just need to lean into him. I just need to follow him. And if you haven't been following him you know what, just stand back up. Get sorry, get back on your knees and pray and whatever you gotta do, whatever he's telling you, you need, you need to do it, you know, you know. It's between you and him. That's exactly what Jesus did here. He sent a prophet to the people. He comes to Gideon and says, he comes to us and says, follow me. So, where are we at? Where are we at, church? Are we Gideon tonight? I think we are. Best part is, Gideon's still in the Bible. He's still in the family. So are you. Let's pray. Lord. We breathe in, we breathe out, we live life. God, I, you you have a whole lot here for us, and I, I just, uh, I just, I just need to spend a little bit more time with you. God, you know where we are. You know where, where you want us, and what you want to do. So, God, I, I, I ask humbly, you help us. You already are helping us. See who you are. See where we are. So, Lord, Spirit, come upon us. Clothe us, which you have. Remind us of who we are in you. And we yield to what you have spoken to us about in this place. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Well, that was a blessing to